We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, 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 everyone, to another edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. I am Vince D'Addario. That is not Sean Styers. That is not Jesse Styers. That is the incomparable Tom Noy, who is going to join me today. And Tom, how are we doing? Is that Sean Styers' theme music? That was your intro music. Is that is that his? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like the the music that I see like when he's walking down the sidewalk in slow motion. Like, that's what I envision. You know. <laughs> that's that's the music that I hear when he comes in the back door at uh, Notre Dame post game when they lock him out of the hallway access after a game. Oh, it sounds man, about right. Man, I've never seen Sean Styers as mad as he was after that <laughs> USD game. Was it, was USD it really? Game? Oh my yeah. gosh, he so, neglected to tell me about that one. Hopefully, hopefully he's back in the United States after his uh, six day trip to Paris. And I know, right? Some, that was. Some people are luckier than others. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, but he is, I believe he is bad. He just texted me, actually. Nice. Uh, told, told me he's listening to yesterday's show. I was like, yes, how about now? Tune in now, man. The uh, time yes. isn't that different than Paris. It's not that I, extreme. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm right. saying. So Sean will be back tomorrow. I believe it is going to be him and Jesse uh, doing a mailbag show tomorrow night. I, of course, well, of course, not of course, but I will be off. Normally I'm on Wednesdays, but I am off uh, as I have to attend my son's high school soccer banquet uh, tomorrow evening. So, you know, I had to pay the overpriced ticket and all of that to eat the dinner and see my kid get awards. So, um, so yeah, he's happy because he gets to leave football practice a little early tomorrow. So, you know, but he's still playing. He's huge. playing for a regional championship on Sunday. I know. Let's go. I know, man. I'm fired up. Like, I can't wait to get to Friday, personally. <laughs> I don't know how he feels. I'm excited. So, but there were some other things going on, and uh, that's why you're here, Tom. We are going yeah. to talk about this Notre Dame men's basketball team. They've got uh, an exhibition and an official game under their belts. Man, I'll tell you what, man. If you don't have a roster, you may not know who's out there. Uh, this is a completely 
new squad here for the Fighting Irish, obviously also with a new head coach. So overall thoughts on the men's basketball program as you see it at the moment, then we can kind of jump into the games that we've seen played. It was six days ago that I still had absolutely no idea what Notre Dame <laughs> men's basketball was all about. No, seriously, like 26 right. years on the beat, 26 years on the beat, and I knew nothing about what Notre Dame was. I was getting emails from fans, from readers, from uh, people I work with, from friends. Hey, what's the starting lineup going to be? What are they going to? And I said, I have, I have zero idea. So that exhibition game on November 1st, was the first time we were able to see anything really basketball-related. We saw a couple of workouts in the summer. There was one time in the summer where they said, yeah, you can come on over and stay for the whole practice. And then they made us let us stay for 15 minutes. So oh. we saw we, we saw literally nothing from them. We saw that they could, they could dribble the basketball and they could make left-handed layups and they could do station drills just about better than any team in the country. Well, that was the only team in the country that we saw. So that's all we saw. So that once the exhibition came, it was like I was never as excited to go to an exhibition game as I was last week because it was like now you get to see Marcus Burton and now you get to see how all these pieces are coming together. And then you also yeah. get to see Micah Shrewsbury as a coach. And I left that exhibition game like I, I wanted to watch what was going on on the court and what the rotations were, what the lineup combinations were. But I also had my eyes trained on the bench because I wanted to watch Michael Shrewsbury coach and just see what kind of an in-game coach he was because you didn't know what, like, how does, how does he, how does he work during a game? What does he do? Right. Is, is, is he, is he just kind of there? Does he look like a statue? Is he always moving? Fortunately for this program, he's always moving. Yeah. He's so energetic, and he, he's he's calling sets, and he's pointing as he as he's calling right after he calls sets, he's pointing out guys where to go and where the ball should go, and if it's a bad shot, he's he's very demonstrative. So last week was our first look of, at at what Notre Dame basketball could be, and then we jump right into it with Monday's game against Niagara in the season opener. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The holiday season is upon us, which makes my schedule a lot busier, and I know it does yours too. And that can make it a lot harder to make healthy meals at home. And that's why Angela and I are happy we found Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. 
Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I'll be honest, we were skeptical when we first tried Factor, but it took one meal each and we were sold. Once I got done looking through all their different options, we decided to jump on board because there are so many tasty options. We use Factor for dinners, but they also have great options for breakfast and lunch, and their Gourmet Plus options are outstanding. That's why I'm excited to have Factor partnering with Irish Breakdown. So head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish to get 50% off your purchase today. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I didn't have a chance to see the exhibition because I don't think it was televised. No, no TV. Yeah, so I didn't have a chance to see that one. And then yesterday, obviously, we had this show. And so that went to about 7.15. So, of course, I turned on the game yesterday. And it's like, oh, well, this you turn is on the game I... and, and they're down 10 already. Yeah, I was like, this is not what I anticipated when I but... turned on the game. Uh, but, yeah, yesterday was, was uh, quite the tumultuous turn of events for this team. It was uh, from, from, from a writer's perspective, from a beat writer's perspective, yeah. it was awesome because yeah. when they played Xavier, they also played their secret scrimmage in Zay, against Xavier. Right. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody want, I, I was not able to get much information on it, but they did score over 90 points just like they did against Hanover okay. in the exhibition. So it was, and Micah Shrewsbury said it in, the, in his press conference last night after the Niagara game. He said, you know what? It was really easy for us the first two games out because we offensively, we were able to get whatever we wanted. We're going to shoot a lot of threes. We can get stuff in transition. We can get stuff going to the basket. Anything they wanted to do offensively against Xavier and against Hanover, they were able to do. So that, then you're like, then you're like, okay, this is not a team that's built to score 90 points a game. Right. They're not going to score 90 points a game. So what's going to happen when they face a little adversity? And so watching what that what happened, the way it transpired, at least to open last night, you're like, I love watching this because now it's not easy and it's not mm -hmm. going to be pretty. And Mike Shrewsbury said after the game, he said, we got in that big hole early and every time we took a shot, a lot of them were bad shots, but every time they took a shot, they wanted to make a 10-point shot. <laughs> and what the, the one tenant of Micah Shrewsbury's program, he, he talked about John Wooden's pyramid of success. He has one he has one tenant for his pyramid of success at the bottom of the period pyramid, and that's to play and just play just just play play the game one possession at a time. Like don't try, don't try to come down and like his son Braden, he he shot up a couple of wild three pointers because yeah. Micah said every time we came down, we wanted to we wanted to make the big play. And and we thought if we make a three, if we if we shoot this three, it's gonna give us seven points instead of three points. So it's like just get back in the game one possession at a time, one offensive possession at a time, one defensive possession at a time, and keep chipping away at it. And you know, we, we hear from Micah in the in the preseason where he said, I don't know what kind of team we're gonna be, but we're gonna compete, we're gonna fight, we're gonna scratch, we're gonna claw, we're gonna fight you. And then the next game we're gonna do it again. And then so so the the, the Xavier and the Hanover games, you're like, okay, well, 
you didn't kind of really see much fight, scratch, claw, this, that, because they weren't able to do any, they didn't have to do any tough stuff. Didn't need it. Yeah. Didn't need anything. So they didn't need to be gritty and they didn't need to grind it out and and just, and and just get down and, and, and get in the stance maybe. So when they had to do that on Monday, you're like, you know what? I don't know how this game's going to go when they're down 12-2, and I think they're down 12 at one point in the first half. But it, it's really going to tell us a lot about this team so early in the season if they're able to say, we're not making shots, we don't have Keba Jai because he's out with a broken right hand, and he might be out for a couple more games. So we, we're missing our kind of our, our, our defensive anchor as far as our their power forward. So right. what are they going to be? Like what are they going to be? And we we were able to see that last night. So, yeah, it was it was a struggle early against Niagara, and it's not that easy on the eyes. But at this point with this program, that's exactly what we needed to see. Okay, couple things. Uh, I've been looking at the the chat here, and people are putting in some questions for you. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of mentioned it, and so I want to kind of bring it up. It's a, a T Guns. What says the announcer said Notre Dame was down a man. Who was it? What are his expectations and how do you think it may have affected the team his expectations uh as far as his injury i would say as far as his injury and then like how he fits in you know fits in with the team like what is his role you know that kind of a thing because we don't know anything about this team the the one guy really the one the the one big that they cannot afford to lose early they lost early was kevin job like everything Everything like it's it's still so early in the season. You're kind of trying to figure out who does what and who's this and who's that guy. You can see by the exhibition and then by last night against Niagara, there's a core group of guys that Micah Shrewsbury trusts that need to be on the floor. Obviously, one of them is Marcus Burton, and we'll talk plenty about Marcus coming up. But Marcus is on the floor because he's the main handler. But then you have these other guys like Logan Ives. He's going to play a lot because he's going to go after and defend okay. their best perimeter guy. Same thing with Julian Roper. Julian Roper gives this, this this team an attitude. Tay Davis is kind of their swingman guy. And, and it, I think when he's on the floor, Micah Shrewsbury feels, feels better about where things are going. One of the trust guys also is Keba Jai because – Keba is a Penn State transfer, so he right. is the only he is the only one on this roster, including Micah Shrewsbury's son. <laughs> he's the only one on this roster that's ever played for Micah Shrewsbury, so he's kind of like the de facto coach on the floor, where Micah may be yelling something out, or he may want this, or he may want that, and and the guys look to Keba and say, "What's he talking about? Or what does he mean?" And Keba's Keba's kind of like that calming voice on the floor where he's like this is what coach wants or this is what coach Farrelly wants and this is this is what they're looking for so the one guy that they could not afford to lose especially the first game of the season they yeah. lose him in Kebajai and he's he's the starting power forward he's he's a guy that's going to play probably 20 25 minutes a game and he's another one of those trust guys where Micah Shrewsbury feels better when Kebajai's on the floor gotcha so that could have that could have been part of the reason they had a slow start, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And then somebody else said, uh, Stymie says, I was a little dismayed at the lack of offensive rebounding effort in much of the game. Is this part of Coach Shrewsbury's style slash plan? Well, you have, you're playing with four guards and 
it's it's different when you're playing against a team like Niagara because Niagara is a veteran team. They're going to run their stuff, and they're not going to they're not going to let you do things offensively that you want to do. Like they were able to they, it, in the in the exhibition against Hanover. I know it's a Division three school, but again, it's the first time out. You have to remember, none of these guys have other than the exhibition game. Like that's the first time in a regular season game any of these tie these guys at Notre Dame have played together. Right. Like they've practiced together, but then you put them against a different team. And offensively, Micah said last night that you know Niagara is going to take us out of what we want to do offensively, and they're going to make it a lot of one-on-one basketball. And there's sometimes there's going to be nights like that where the offensive rebounds aren't the best. Let me see what the offensive rebounds were. They got four offensive rebounds the entire time. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to have to work a little bit more on the boards. But no, there's like what 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 coach in the country's plan is? Yeah, we're not going to worry about offensive rebound. Right. So off, right. offensive rebounding is is part of the game. It's just that last night that did that didn't lend itself to. Okay, that's got to be a a a, a a a focus for us, right? Because it was more. Let's get back on defense, buckle down defensively, grind this thing out. The shots aren't falling. They don't get they they only get four offensive rebounds. But then you look at the box score, and you're like, they only got four offensive rebounds. They probably just chucked up a bunch of threes and they played in the, played on the perimeter. They finished with 48 points in the paint. So I'll take I'll take the four offensive rebounds. If you're going to score 48 points in the paint and you're missing your best low post guy, that's a pretty good night for a team that still is just so new to everything. Right. Let, before we jump specifically into this game, uh, Tommy says, is this going to be, you know, is four guards going to be the base for this team? So get that out of the way. Yes. I think they're going to play four round one. Okay. And it's when we say four guards, I think Tay Davis is more of a swing guy where he's, He's six seven, six eight, maybe six nine. So the three guards are just are set in stone. It's Logan Imes, it's Braden Shrewsbury, it's Marcus Burton, and then it's Julian Roper who kind of tag teams with with Imes. So those are your those are your guards, your three main guards uh, that are gonna they're gonna have uh, playing time. Then you've got Tay Davis as the swing guy, and then you're you're gonna play with one big. Usually it's Kevin Jai. Last gotcha. night it was Kerry Booth. So yeah. it, it's three guards, it's a swing man, and it's a big, and that's going to be the five that you're going to go to. Now there may, may be nights where Micah Shrewsbury will downshift and go to just four four main guards and either Tay Davis or Kevin Jai is your main big guy. Or there may be nights against North Carolina, Duke, where you've got to play three guards and two traditional bigs and mm-hmm. take – take maybe a smaller guard, Logan Imes or, or Julian Roper or even Braden Shrewsbury off the floor. Gotcha. So let's talk about the game specifically, Niagara. So put Niagara into perspective for people. That way they kind of understand maybe how this game went. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with Mike Shrewsbury talking about what Niagara mm-hmm. wants to do to you, things like that. Most people have never heard of Niagara before. So <laughs> – Kind of give us an idea of how good slash bad whatever Niagara is. Well, it's not necessarily Niagara, but it's going to be almost every single non-conference home opponent that's coming into the Joyce Center. And we're going to see it another again on Saturday with Western Carolina. It doesn't matter if it's Niagara, 
Western Carolina, Maryland Eastern Shore. Micah Shrewsbury mentioned it in his post game on Monday. He's looking at these rosters of these non-conference teams, and he's seeing senior, 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 transfer student, transfer student, transfer student, sure. grad transfer. Like I think Niagara had seven or eight transfers, so they're older, they're more experienced, gotcha. and you're playing against you're playing against a Notre Dame team that basically they're playing at times they're playing four freshmen. Yeah, you know, so you're playing you're playing against older teams, not necessarily high quality non-conference teams but teams that have been together and 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 can play and been able to play together so you're going to have rough patches like you saw on monday you're going to have rough rough patches if you see saturday's game against western carolina because these are teams that are older and you're playing against another Dame team and you can look at some of the numbers that i've that i've written about in at andy insider where they, Notre Dame lost 98% of its scoring. It lost 100% of its starting lineup. It lost 97% of its of its assists. So it's basically starting from scratch. So any team you play, Niagara, Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, the Citadel, whoever's on that non-conference schedule in December, they're going to be older and more experienced than Notre Dame because they're basically starting from scratch. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... Like I said, you know, you better have a roster handy if you haven't been watching this Notre Dame team. And I'll be there on Saturday. I'm excited to see these guys in person. And, uh, you know, let so let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what we were able to see. I'm super familiar with who Marcus Burton is. It doesn't feel like anything changed from high school to college. In game one against mm-hmm. Niagara, I mean, right. we're not in the ACC schedule. You said that, you know, uh, Michael Shrewsbury was talking about how there's going to be a lot of one-on-one, you know, stuff happening. Well, that's where Marcus Burton kind of shines. And so he was kind of able to take over that game at times. That quick first step, get to the hoop, all that fun stuff. So what did you see from this team? You know, and, and you can break it down player to player, you know, the the freshmen, the however, whatever direction you want to take, how this game went, what surprised you, what you expected to see, the play of these guys, whatever i mean i was i enjoyed watching this team play to be honest with you and I, it never felt like they were out of the game it didn't and the one thing that i really love about this team and it's still so early where there's there there are going to be bumps in the road there are going to be dips there are going to be highs and lows sure but man you watch five minutes of this team and the first thing you look at it you say these guys compete yeah their tails off you saw it in the exhibition game you saw it last night where the ball is move the, the ball moves the players move there's a purpose to it yeah. like and, and I don't and I don't and I've I've talked to some of the Notre Dame players about this I don't want to make this entire season a referendum on all the things that went wrong last Fair. year Fair. because there were plenty but you just you just look at the way Notre Dame played offense last season even to their run to almost getting to a sweet 16 in 21 22. There's just there was just so much standing around, and there's no ball movement. There's no player movement. This team's gonna move. They're gonna cut. They're gonna make the extra pass. Yeah. Like there were there were times where last year, if nothing came open, their best shot was a Dane Gooden wing three pointer. Mm-hmm. Julian Roper took a wing three pointer last week last night, and I thought Micah Shrewsbury the, was was gonna <laughs> blow his top. 
Like he he looked at it and it like Julian Roper. Julian Roper needs to get to the basket. That's where he's most effective. He's not a three point shooter. He's out there shooting threes. He could have moved it one more time. And the minute he shot it, they had no chance of going in. And Micah Shrewsbury was, I was right on line with Micah Shrewsbury. And he looked at Julian Roper and he just looked at him and said, move it. Like make the extra pass. You can get a good shot, he says. But their goal is every every possession, they feel like they can get a great shot. And I think they settled, they settled for good shots early. Yeah. And we're like, okay, like, what are we going to be? This is, this is still such a work in progress where you don't know what you're going to see game to game with this, with this basketball team, who's going to do what, how they're going to play. If they're going to make shots, what if they're not making shots? What if they are making shots? If they're making shots, Michael Shrewsbury says, if we make threes, good night. Like it's over. There aren't many teams that are going to be able to keep up with them offensively. So it was it was a tri- a tale of two halves where first half ugly second half give the ball to number three playing his first collegiate game everybody get out of the way and let him go do his thing. Well, I'm like I, again. I know it's high school versus college. I, I saw it, every game that Marcus played last year as a senior in high school, and that was basically the game plan when he was. I mean. Other guys obviously contributed. He did a nice job of kicking and getting guys involved. And I mean, he's he's a very he's a team player. There's no doubt about it. He does, he's not a selfish player. Uh, but off the dribble, even last night was just impressive. And I think people got a chance to see what he's really special at. And it's the body control around the basket. Mm-hmm. It has always impressed me. I mean, I, yes, he's he's quick off the dribble. He's got a nice shot. You know all of those things, but his body control around the basket, man, it it looked like it always has uh, last night. What do you mean you saw him play every game, every home game? You're working the student section at at the at the Penn Palace. You're not paying attention to what's going on on the floor. I went to that Marion game last year, and you were too concerned with what's going on in row four and row six (laughs) and what Marcus Burton was doing. So let's get that away right now. Oh, I was watching Marcus, baby. Yeah, that man can play, and I was. It's, uh, I tell you what, I've done this long enough to know, to appreciate what was right in front of my eyes, if that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really enjoyable to see that night in and night out at the high school level. And I'm just, I'm excited for everybody that has never seen him play, uh, that he was kind of able to have that little bit of a coming out party, you know, uh, last night. Cause that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. It was. And it was, I, I touched on it a little bit in my recap at in the Insider. Last night's game, it was an November non-conference game at Purcell right. Pavilion. Usually you get that. If there's 4,000 people in the building, you feel like, eh, it was a pretty good night because they're going to build towards something. Last night, it was more like maybe 62, 6,400. But the energy in there when Marcus Burton has the basketball and they're waiting to see what he's doing, like there were times in the in the in the second half where or in the first half where the crowd kind of holds its collective breath because last like again we'll go back to last year to make the comparison but last year you knew what they were going to do offensively yeah. it was it wasn't easy on the eyes there were no secrets Dane Gooden's going to sit there at, at at the three point wing spot uh, JJ Starling is going to maybe cr- throw up some crazy shot. Nate Lashevsky may go inside and make an interior post move, but you knew what you were going to get. And that's how it was with Notre Dame basketball for the last five years. 
Sometimes it worked. Other times it didn't. Last year or last night, you could almost feel the crowd hold its collective breath when Marcus Burton had the basketball because people are like, what's he going to do next? Is he going to drive it? Is he going to move it? Is he going to pull up in the mid-range game? Like, and then, and then once the shot goes up, the crowd just kind of exhales, like, oh, we can breathe again. Like, <laughs> it was, it was really, it was fun to watch. And yeah. it was fun to see that you had a November non conference game and it felt like a February league game where Notre Dame had to win that game if they had, if they wanted to keep alive their hopes to go to the NCAA tournament. So it was a cool crowd and, and hats yeah. off, hats off to the fans that did show up and the student section that did show up because not only did they show up, but they 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 made that place more interesting. There was way more juice in Purcell Pavilion for a November non-conference game that other than maybe la- like la- somebody texted me, they're like, when's the last time you felt this building like this? I said, well, last year when they played in Michigan State. like Yeah. Oh, they, I, they, I was at that game. Yeah, it was, it was electric that game. Cause they yeah, play so, so out of their minds. Yeah. It's 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 not like we haven't seen that before, but to see it so early against a non-conference opponent that's not Michigan State or Illinois sure. or Ohio State or one of the Big Ten ACC challenges when they were there. That's what's encouraging is maybe this maybe maybe the fan base understands that they need to get behind this program from day one if they want to see it build to wherever it's going under Micah Shrewsbury. And Micah has said. You better get on board early because this thing's taken yeah. off, and it's taken off earlier than maybe anybody expected. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. And uh, I tell you what, like I said, I didn't know any of these guys coming in except for Marcus, and I didn't know how he would translate. You know, this early in his career, again, one game under under the belt. There's a long mm-hmm. way to go. Uh, but a couple of other players that I thought were a lot of fun to watch. Um, Carrie Booth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kid seems like an athletic freak and he's going to balance out a lot of the things that, you know, Marcus was doing. And then he obviously finds Carrie for that, uh, that alley-oop. That was him. I believe if I remember yep. correctly, um, I mean, that was awesome. I mean, that was, that had to, I mean, that brought the crowd to their feet, obviously. Uh, I mean, just, it was fun to watch some of these new guys play the game and there's a lot of talent on this team. It's young talent, but there's a lot of talent on this team. Kerry Booth's really a baby. Like he's literally yeah. a baby. He turned 17 in July. Oh he gosh. should he should be a high school senior. He reclassified, played at Brewster Academy last year, only averaged like 10.7 rebounds. And everyone's like, why did he average? How can anybody who averaged 10 points and seven rebounds be a four-star recruit? Like he was a top 50, maybe in some some of the, the services had him as a top 40 player. How can he be a top 40 guy? Well, just look at the frame. And just look at his athleticism and his right. lanky body. Like, he's got so much potential. He played at Brewster, which sent nine guys to play major Division One college basketball this year. That, that, that was the type of team that he played on. So it was it – was, it was, you're not going to go to Brewster Academy with that group and average 24 and 10. Like, you, you have, you're going to have to sacrifice that. So he was able to do that. But he's still so young. You could just see he's he's just like learning. He's he's like a newborn, like trying to figure everything out in the world right. of right. college basketball. When the light bulb goes on, you'll be able to see why Kerry Booth may be the 
has the most upside as a future NBA prospect for this basketball program. Now, you know, looking at, because you said one of the things you wanted to see, and we've we've seen kind of like one and a half games, if you want to count yeah. the exhibition game, right? So, you know, and, and then the other part was, you know, their, their big is out because he's got a broken hand. So things are going to change and adjust. But looking at like the way the minutes were dispersed, you had three guys, two freshmen, I believe, and a sophomore, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, had over 30 minutes of playing time. So Roper, Burton, Shrewsbury, all on the court. Uh, Roper had 33, Burton 34, Shrewsbury 36 of the 40 minutes. That's a lot of minutes to put on those young guys. Is that kind of how you see this thing playing out moving forward? I do, at least this year, because okay. that's, that's the group that they have. And again, we go back to who are the guys that Micah Shrewsbury trusts? Well, you just named three of them right there. Like yeah. he's got, he feels like he's got to have these guys on the floor because there's no other option. This is the hand that he's dealt this year where, you know, Marcus Burton, and I was, I was the, I was the biggest skeptic of all of them when, <laughs> when, when Micah comes in and it's like, all right, Mike, what are you going to do in the transfer portal? Well, we're going to try to get Tay Davis. We're going to get Kevin Jai. Maybe we'll get another guy. Are you going to get a, a, a uh, an experienced ball handler. Point guard. Yeah, point guard. And, yeah. And even even Micah, when I when I met with finally was able to sit down my first interview with Micah Shrewsbury, I think in early May, and he said, Look, that's our number one goal right now. We would like an experienced ball handler because we don't want to turn the we don't want to turn this program over to a freshman. Like that's that it's not that's not to say that Marcus Burton couldn't handle it right. because he went for 29 last night. But to put a fresh, a true freshman in that position, like that's right. that's a big step. So he had no choice but to do that, and I think he has no choice but to play guys like Julian Roper and Micah Sh or Braden Shrewsbury because there are no other options right now. And this program, what it looks like now, what the minutes look like now, are gonna it's gonna look totally different next year when he can when he can recruit. When he can make the, he can get the roster more to his liking, because yeah. let's remember, when Micah Shrewsbury walked in the door here, they had three scholarship players still on the roster, so mm. it's 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 a total rebuild, mm. and this is only this is only phase one of what the rebuild is. Like next year, two years from now, three years from now, you're probably not going to have two freshmen and a seldom used junior playing 34 plus minutes on opening night. It's just not going to look that way. Yeah, no, that's kind of what I figured. But, you know, again, it's the hand that you're dealt. And uh, I I was nervous about that as well. I'll be honest with you, because I think Marcus <laughs> Burton is a special talent. But if he was able to learn for a year under a guy who's done it before, if he's coming into an established program, like all of those different things, you know, you feel better about maybe his maturation process. But then you flip it to the other end. Okay, well, Marcus, trial by fire, baby. Like you're you're going in. You're we're giving you the keys to this thing, and and uh, we're gonna need you to do Marcus Burton things. And you know, one for one, I guess. You know, right. twenty nine points and uh, setting that record of, that Lafonso Ellis held since nineteen eighty eight. I mean, and he was in the building to see it. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool turn of events. I'm sure he may not even have known he held that record. Frankly, um, I think he did. He did. Okay. All right, he did. Well, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was that was a pretty cool moment that he was able to see that, and I 
you know, I, I know you know Lafonso. I know Lafonso kind of uh, because his son played at Adams when I was there doing the PA announcing. So I would talk to him after games and stuff. And he's one of the nicest humans on the planet. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys ever. And I guarantee you, outside of maybe Marcus's family, no one was happier for Marcus than Lafonso Ellis. Yeah, and he uh, he and Mark he and Marcus got together afterward, took a picture in, in one of the back hallways of Brazil Pavilion. When after they got done singing the alma mater, Notre Dame was going back to the locker room, and Mike had pointed over to the section where Fonz was sitting and kind of waved and pointed up to the scoreboard about something that was going on at the scoreboard. So Fonz was was able to recognize Marcus, and I'm sure Fonz. I mean, we both know Fonz. Fonz will be the first guy that says, "If there's anybody that's going to break that record." Let it be Marcus Burton. Let yeah. it be the hometown kid playing his first game at Purcell Pavilion. I was at Purcell Pavilion back when it was the Joy Center, when there was another guard, another Indiana Mr. Basketball, who had kind of a special night the first time he played for Notre Dame, and that was Chris Thomas. Triple double. First, game that, first game that Chris Thomas played was the triple-double against Sacred Heart. And I talked to somebody who played with Chris Thomas, who was a player at Notre Dame late last night. And the first thing he said to me was that was Chris Thomas like, and I was like, I, I, I kind of had to agree because just the electricity and what he was able to do, he didn't have a triple double, but man, he captivated every single one of those people in those stands last night. Yeah. He's just electric when he's got the ball in his hands, you never know what Mm -hmm. he's going to do. And it's fun, man. Like that again, it made watching Notre Dame offensive basketball fun again. Like this, this team's easy to root for. And I, I, I'm totally biased because of the high school connection, but the fact of the matter is, and we're seeing it in the chat, it's like he's electric man. And he's fun to watch. And and people are excited about who Marcus could eventually end up being. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but uh, you know, after one night, people know his name. And people are excited about what he could be at Notre Dame. You have to put pressure on because that's college basketball today. Yeah, like right. next next week, I, I'll vote in my first ACC uh, poll or survey, or we'll we'll do, get our ballots together. He's the ACC Rookie of the Week. Like there's no way he right. cannot be the Freshman of the Week in the league. Now, of course, he can be because that's what the ACC is when it comes to Notre Dame. If there's a kid from Duke who goes for 24 or a kid from North Carolina that goes for 27. Guess who's getting that award? The (laughs) kid from North Carolina, not Marcus (laughs) Burton. But what I loved about Marcus Burton was he struggled early and he make, he kind of pressed early. Like maybe, maybe he felt the the, the pressure on the, on the big stage. The lights were finally bright at, at Purcell Pavilion. It wasn't an exhibition game. It wasn't a secret scrimmage. It was an actual game. He kind of pressed early and was forcing stuff, but as the game went on, you saw, especially that six-minute stretch there in the second half where I think he went for 16 points in six minutes, he kind of figured it out that, okay, we're not getting it from three. Our big guy's out. We can't count on really a big to to carry us offensively. I just got to go. Like I'm I'm just going to go, and I'm going to take this over. I don't have to drive it and finish with a layup every time. But my that mid range that yeah. mid range game is just a crusher. Like yes, he it gets it because he's five eleven. He's one hundred and fifty five pounds. Maybe mm-hmm. he could be closer to five nine one forty. But he's a kid that knows 
I'm not 6'3", I'm not 6'4", I'm, I, I don't have the crazy athleticism of a, of a Demetrius Jackson who can drive down the lane and, and dunk, dunk over Isaac Haas right. of Blue. Right. So he's got to be a little bit more cagey about his game and a little more cerebral. I'm just going to hit this mid-range, this mid-range pull-up. And I'm going to hit this free throw line extended jumper. So he knows his limitations as a basketball player, and he's able to work around it to where you look at the final stat sheet and say, yeah, the kid had 29 in his first game. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think it's it's a very underrated portion of his game, and it's also mm-hmm. a deadly portion of his game because he looks at his weaknesses and he kind of flips it into a positive, into a strength because you just don't see a lot of guys driving to the basket and pulling up for that eight-footer, that 10-footer, you know, and he nails that nine times out of 10. He'll hit that every time because guys will start overplaying him to the basket because of what he's able to do at the rim and well I should say under the rim because he doesn't really go over the rim but he holds up he just hits that little jumper and it's like it's just it's devastating to defensive teams I mean it, they just there's no answer for him because they're all their momentum is going towards the basket and they're gonna try to block it and whatever and he just puts the air brakes on goes up and he just hangs in the air that's the one thing he he like kind of defies gravity a little bit he'll just hang there in the air hit that little jump shot um, and just bottom of the net, and man, people were cheering almost louder for those than they were for what he was doing when he would go to the basket. So, you know, points are points, and uh, I, I think he does it to his advantage for sure. And it was awesome for him to see something like that last night because now, now the book's out on Marcus Horton, right? Like yeah. people, he, he's gonna move, he's gonna shoot right to the top of the scouting report. Don't let number three get loose. Don't let him do sure. this. Well, so now, how does he counter? How do, what is what is he what does he add to the, to his bag that he's going to need once league play starts once he's going to play like next week he's going to play against an SEC school in Auburn what's that experience going to be like for him so now now people know if they don't know Marcus Burton yet they do right. after last night's game that will help Marcus Burton develop how he's going to be an all around player and it's also going to help other guys develop because now they're going to have to know look. We can't count on Marcus Burton to go for 29 points a game. Teams are going to look to take him away. If they're going to take him away, then I'm going to I'm going to go slide over here and then and in the corner and be open for a three or be yeah. be open for a backdoor cut and find it like J.R. Kinesny. I love that J.R. Kinesny. We're I mean we're we're what 40 minutes in. We've talked about one local kid. They've I got know. two local guys on the roster who's finally getting an opportunity as a junior. Yeah. Right. So so it's like, okay, so they're gonna key on Marcus Burton. It's gonna open up a lot of stuff for a lot of different guys, and we'll be able to see the diversity of what this basketball team can do. Yeah, no doubt about it. So all right, let's uh go through some of these questions that the fans have. I will try to let's see here. We got a we got a bunch of Marcus Burton questions, obviously. Yeah. So since we're talking about Marcus, I'll try to throw some of those up first. Uh Coleman wants to know, do you think Burton and Roper as a backcourt? Can be top five in conference play. That's a big ask. Yeah, that's a big ask. Like especially, especially. I mean, everybody's excited about the way they were able to play and win last night, but you have to see it in the league. Like they're they open league play again. We go back to: is there an ACC bias against Notre Dame? The ACC says no, but who does Notre Dame open league play against? On the road against the team that went to the Final Four last year in Miami and has a really good backcourt back. Like they're going to play against some really good backcourts. 
it's not just Roper. It's a three-man backcourt. It's Roper, it's Marcus Burton, and it's Braden Shrewsbury. As that, that's their main perimeter. Are they better than Duke? Are they better than Carolina? Are they better than Virginia, Miami, maybe even Syracuse, where JJ Starling is with Judah Mintz? So there are those are what those are four teams right there. I don't know if they're they're going to be top five, but they can be top five in a top five surprise. Like what are the surprise backcourts? Notre Dame could be a top five surprise sure. backcourt. Marcus Burton right now, he could be a surprise guy and, and be make an all league team the way he's playing. So I know it's early. I know everybody's excited, but we we do have to tamp down the expectations, yes. especially when they get into league play because. Again, this was a team, this was a program that won three league games last year. They should get to three. I expect them to get to six and maybe more, but it's it's going to be a process with everything. All right, let's see here. Another one from Matt says, Tom, do you see a little bit of Demetrius Jackson in Burton? Uh, a little bit uh, in the fact that he he's, I mean, Demetrius was a scorer coming out of Marion, like a lot of things that, that I watched Marcus do last year at Penn when I was, wasn't watching Vince D'Addario, keep an eye on the student body. I saw a lot of Demetrius. Demetrius is more explosive. He was bigger. He was thicker. They may, they, they, I don't know if he was that much taller, but he, he was more college point guard ready. I think with Marcus, he can figure out a little bit more right now. All right, this is a another leap potentially, but uh, Tommy Gunn says, "Will Burton win the basketball version of the Heisman before he leaves Notre Dame?" I believe that would be the Naismith Award, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that would be, and I will say, no. That's a tough. That's tough. No. <laughs> Again, let's 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 slow it down on the Marcus Burton talk. <laughs> He's not going to go. I, I mean, who knows? He's not going to go to the NBA after one year. Maybe he's not going to, they're not going to win a national championship this season with Marcus Burton. It was a good first step, but there are so many steps for him to, to, to take as a college basketball player and so many lessons to learn as a college basketball player. All right. Micah Shrewsbury question. Johnny wants to know, Tom, how do you compare him to Mike Bray style wise? We're not comparing them. There's no comparison. (laughs) He's his own coach. We're not going to sit here all year. I did it in the chat last week at Andy Insider. Mm, I do it. I do it walking around Martins or on email. (laughs) Like Mike Bray was the perfect coach at the perfect time for this Notre Dame men's basketball program. He did what he did. He's now assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks. I'm more interested in Micah Shrewsbury and what he is as a head coach, not compared to what who is re- replacing as a head coach, because it's like night and day. Like Mike Mike Bray was Mike Bray was, was this kind of a coach. Micah Shrewsbury is this kind of a coach and this kind of a guy. They're totally different. Where I'm not sitting here watching Micah Shrewsbury and saying, "Boy, I miss Mike Bray," or I'm watching Marcus, Micah Shrewsbury saying, "I'm glad Mike Bray's gone." That era was that era. It's over. We start playing with Micah Shrewsbury, and we're not going to compare anything that Micah Shrewsbury does to how Mike Bray might have done it or the way Mike Bray didn't do it because it's night and day difference. It's unfair not only to Mike Bray, but it's unfair to Micah Shrewsbury to say, 
Micah Shrewsbury is a better coach than Mike Bray because he's doing this or he's not doing that. That's the past. We leave it in the past. We move forward with Micah Shrewsbury. It's a, that's the only fair way to do it. Let, let me let me narrow the question down just from a a game day situation. So like demeanor on the sideline. We're all used to what Mike Bray was on the sideline. You know, uh, the, what was what was his uh, what was his phrase? Like he was uh, the, the world, coach in America. Loosest coach in America. Thank you. Which what, which he the, wasn't. Which he wasn't because he would mf the co- the, the, <laughs> the the players, the coaches, the right. officials, the people in the second row at Purcell Pavilion. He was as uptight as any coach that. But but that's that's the way coaches are. Like they're high strung. Sure. Sure. We've talked about it earlier in the show, and I've mentioned it. I've written about it already. I love the energy that Micah Shrewsbury brings. Like, he gets on that court. I, Micah Shrewsbury had me. I forget what it was. It was, it was, oh, it was media day. It okay. was media day before the Xavier secret scrimmage. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know. I don't know much about this. I don't know how he works. I don't know how he operates. But when Micah Shrewsbury sat there and he said, we have a scrimmage on Sunday. And I'm preparing for that scrimmage like it's the national championship game. My antenna went up and I said, whoa, like this guy's, this guy's really serious about it. He's serious about it. He's passionate about it. You can see it on the court. You can hear it in his voice in, po- in the post game." And when you talk to him, far more than what Mike Bray was, because Mike Bray was like, I'm 62 years old. I've done this dance for 23 years. Sure. I'm just gonna let I'm gonna let the program be what the program is. He he didn't have it in him to roll up his sleeves and go to work. I love the way that Micah Shrewsbury rolls up his sleeves and he goes to work every single day. Like last night, I asked him about the the commemorative basketball. It's his first win, you know, the first time, the first win at the as the head coach of the University of Notre Dame. Are you going to are you going to take the basketball and put it in your someplace in your office? He's like, I haven't even thought about that. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going out there back out there on center court. I'm going to take some pictures with my family. I'm going to celebrate with my mom who's who was in attendance and it was her birthday last night. He goes, then I'm going to go up, go back to the office. I'm going to have a diet, Dr. Pepper. I'm going to watch this film and then I'm going to roll up my sleeves and go, go get into Western Carolina. So you drive, you drive by Rolf's hall after game. I usually leave Purcell pavilion after a seven o'clock game. I'm leaving Purcell pavilion about 11, 11, 15 at night. It was kind of hectic the first nights. So I didn't leave until like 1130, but you pat, you pass Rolf's hall at 1130 and every single coach's car Every single administrator's car, every single support staff member's car is still in the parking lot. That's all you need to know about Micah Shrewsbury. Love After the first game of the season, like they're right. not they're not grinding on a Saturday Monday because they're playing Virginia on Saturday and they got Duke on Monday. They're grinding because they've got Niagara on Monday and they've got Western Carolina on Saturday, but they're in the office already in early November. That's all you really need to know about this staff and about the direction of this program. You seldom saw that with Mike Bray, but Mike Bray felt like they didn't need to grind it because they're established. They're old. They've done it. Right. This Micah Shrewsbury still feels like everybody's doubting me. They still believe 
Notre Dame's going to finish 15th in the league. They still believe they're going to have four league victories, that, that they're, they're going to be a pushover for every single conference team that comes in here. So Micah Shrewsbury works every single minute like he's got something to prove, and he's going to go prove it. So what you're saying is you're really looking forward to the uh, 9 o'clock Auburn game that's coming up. That's an, But that's an Auburn game in, in New York City. <laughs> I will not be traveling for that. We're, okay. we're going we're gonna to pick and choose. But you know what? If there's any place to have it, and it's a nine, it's a nine o'clock set tip, but that's the second game of the Legends oh. Classic that night. So you're really looking at like nine forty-five, right? And you know what? Right. A nine forty-five tip wherever you are in New York City is like a five o'clock tip back in South Bend. I'll take your word for it. Never been Trust to New York, me. Tom. Can you believe that? Trust. So what's that? I've never been to New York. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm tell. I'm telling you, it's life changing. Yeah. Walking out All of right. Madison Square. Walking out of Madison Square Garden at one o'clock in the morning, and it look, it feels like it's seven o'clock at night. There's nothing like coming going to the garden. Nothing. Love it, love it, love it. All right, a couple more questions, then we'll jump into rapid fire here. Uh, a recruiting question from Coleman. He says, "Do you know what happened with the recruitment of Travis Perry? That kid can put the ball in the hoop, and we need more of that." Yeah, but you, Travis Perry is a point guard. I think you're pretty set at point guard. We'll just leave it at that. Like Fair. Travis Perry, he sees Marcus Burton. Marcus Burton's going to be a four-year guy, maybe. Yeah. You know, and, and all these guys, all these guys that are, that are high school seniors now, and they're going to sign their letters of intent tomorrow. Notre Dame's going to sign three players on Wednesday. But all these guys that are signing letters of intent. They want to go play. Like they want to play now. They don't want to sit. Because if we're if I'm sitting, guess what? I'm going in the portal and I'm going yeah. to school A, B, or C where I'm going to get my minutes. Sure. I don't know if if Travis Perry can put the ball in the hole and Travis Perry is a college level point guard playing alongside Marcus Burton. I don't know if that's to his advantage. I don't know if that's to Marcus Burton's advantage. And I don't think it's to Notre Dame's advantage. All right. Well, I'm going to jump off the, the the roller coaster here and ask you a question. Since tomorrow's signing day, quick run through of the three guys that Notre Dame's going to sign. I don't want to steal your thunder from ND Insider, but you know, they have three guys: uh, Cole Serta, who's a shooter playing at IMG this year; okay. Garrett Sundra, who's playing at a really high level Paul the Six program in suburban DC out in Virginia; and Sir Muhammad, who's kind of a He's, he's kind of a, a smaller version of a Tay Davis. We talked about Tay Davis a lot on the show, where he's just kind of a facilitator, glue guy, immediate trust guy for Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, Sir Muhammad is the youngest son of Nazi Muhammad, who played, I believe, 130 years in the NBA. He, he played for like 19 years. Uh, Sir Muhammad plays for a powerhouse program down in Charlotte. So those three guys will be signing their national letters of intent. They still have some room if they want to add a player for next season. If they want to do that, they can do that. But those are the three main guys that okay. will be Notre Dame basketball, men's basketball players by, I believe, one o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Needs met, like thoughts on the class, just, you know, kind of briefly, yeah, obviously. It, but again, it's hard because it, Micah Shrewsbury and his staff had to hit the ground running. These yeah. were guys that were all involved with at Penn State. So let's give Micah Shrewsbury okay. an entire calendar year to kind of see what recruiting is like because we're still kind of getting 
we'll still we're still kind of getting the 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 I don't want to say leftovers, but the guys that have Penn State influence. It was Logan Imes, it was Braden Shrewsbury, it was Kerry Booth. It's now these three guys. So there are a lot of yeah. Penn State influence that are that wanted to play for Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State. Let's see what he can do in getting guys from Notre Dame or that 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 are more Notre Dame type of guys from a recruiting standpoint that he has an entire calendar year to focus on instead of throwing this together at the last minute, which is basically what he had to do. Yeah, no, makes sense to me. You're you're better at knowing the uh, basketball recruiting calendar, obviously, than I am. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, we got one more question, and then we'll jump into rapid fire. And this is kind of a uh, big picture type question from Tommy. He says, "When no, is ben- no, never, on it? Oh, never." Okay. Well, let me I, let me, I, let me say it just for the the people that have the audio version. When is men's basketball switching to quarters instead of halves? Any talk about that? What's the point of not doing quarters? I watch women's basketball and they play quarters and I absolutely hate quarters. It just, there's there. That's the way. And that's the way the men's game has always been play a 20, 20 minute half. It, it, there's more rhythm. It's, it feels too choppy and broken up when you're playing 10 minute quarters. And all of a sudden you look at like, it's, I still, I still can't adjust to when I'm covering another women's game and I look up, three minutes into the game and there's like six and a half minutes left. I'm like, Oh, quarters. And and it it just, it just seems like there's, there's no, there's no rhythm to playing quarters for the men. Keep it at at halves, 20 minutes, first half, 20 minutes, second half. It's easy. I don't like the quarters rule. I'm glad they haven't adopted it. And there's really, there's no push for that to happen in the men's game. And it should stay that way. They're switching the way they do fouls in the high school game to the way that the girls do the fouls, I do believe. Like the five, mm-hmm. and then it resets at the quarter and all this. It It's going to take me a while to get all that figured out because that was hard to follow the first couple of games I went to of the high school season from the girls' standpoint. But I, I'm sure they're doing it for girls and boys at the high school level. Obviously, I haven't seen any boys' games yet. But, man, like you can get five, and then it resets. I just I don't, I'm not a fan. Uh, fan. Keep it easy. Yeah, exactly.